You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Hi, this is Lady C. And this is JT. Welcome to The Critical Thought. In the upcoming episode, we're going to be having a special conversation with some friends from my old congregation in Michigan. So this is a treat. So I want to welcome Phil and Shiloh. Good to see you. Hello. Thank you. Really appreciate the opportunity to be here, guys. Yeah, really do. Yeah, we're glad to have we're glad to have y'all guys here. Uh, like as Lacey mentioned, when you hear of somebody from your old congregation who who finally had the scales fall off their eyes, it's uh it's, it's a good feeling. And today, you know, we want you guys to share your personal experience of how y'all, as they say, woke up. And how you and how you got in. Now, Shiloh, I know you are born in because. I was in your book study and see, because you were so young when I was in your congregation, you probably don't remember me, but I remember your family very well. And I remember being in the same book study with you and um, a lot, you know, like a lot of the, we know a lot of the same people, but you just don't remember me because of the fact that you were so young when I left home, you know, but um, it was just wonderful knowing that you and Phil woke up. And of course we didn't even know Phil. So, but you're still like family and friends, Phil, because you come from back home. So anyway, so Phil, you want to go ahead and give us the the backside about how you became a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, Yes, yeah, for sure. So um, my mom was kind of a witness most of my life, sort of, you know, fringe. She was kind of on the edge, you know, kind of like riding the fence. (laughs) Anyway. Um, so I was kind of always around it. The books were always around. We actually had a Bible story book that we used to hold up the dryer um, because we were very poor and the, and the dryer wobbled. Anyway, uh, that's another story. Um, but uh, so I was kind of always around it. And when I started to become like a teenager, um, mom started getting a little more serious with it. And so what she was doing is she's having some friends over uh, to study with her on a weekly basis. And I don't know if she was going to meetings or not. I can't remember. But it wasn't until, um, as I mentioned, we were very poor. And we, we, when I was around 17, 18 years old, my mother lost the house that we were living in. So we all split up. So I went to live with, with my uh, sister Shelly in Armada. And um, my brother and mom went to, went to Detroit to live with grandma. So uh, there is where I finally kind of saw um, a normal functioning family, and they were Jehovah's Witnesses. My sister, a, a nice, normal, really just a great family. My sister was super strict, but really great, and she taught me a lot of things. And uh, what I saw, I, I guess the first impression I got was from their family was, wow, these, you know, that these people are pretty normal functioning people. And they're not the, you know, the weirdos that I thought they were. Um, now, backtracking just a little bit, uh, before I moved in with my sister, um, I went to a memorial. My mom kind of forced me to go to one of the observances. And that's when I kind of saw a, the Kingdom Hall really for the first time and how it functioned on the memorial. And it was very structured, but I was really impressed by the people there and just how normal everybody was. Everybody was kind of cool. 
I mean, we know about the, you know, the love bombing and all that that goes on, but there was, there were just really, really nice people there. And uh, so basically when I had moved in with my sister, I was already kind of familiar with it. And basically what happened was one day, and I don't know exactly how this happened because it was so long ago, I came home from work one day and there were two guys sitting at the dining room table and it was study time. <laughs> so I started studying with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but I liked it and I liked the people and I took to it very, very fast. And I, I, I really liked it. I like going out in service. I really like banging on the doors. I really liked, I, like, I like the meetings. I liked everything about it. So I was probably, um, what, about uh, 19, 20 or nah, 20, 21 years old when I was baptized. So uh, just a pretty short period of time from about 19 years old to 21 when I got baptized. Yeah, that's a good experience because that's the type of experience that the Watchtower loves. Uh, they put that family image, uh, you know, husband, wife, two kids, the picket, picket fence. I mean, it's the perfect Watchtower family. Those accounts we see on the assemblies. And that's, that is, as you said, literally the public image of Jehovah's Witnesses. But of course, later on, as we'll see, we get to see the other side too. So now, how did you and Shiloh meet? But yeah, and that's also where I met, you yeah, know, Shiloh at that memorial. Well, at the, like he said, um, at the memorial, I, I uh, knew Shelly, his sister. He, she was actually really good friends with my mom. And, and he, she bought his, her mom, which bought Phil. And I seen this guy, I'm like, ooh, fresh meat. You know, like in the congregation, I grew up with all these brothers that knew me too well, you know? And, you know, I didn't, I don't think I spoke to any interest in them. So, and I was already, I was like 17, 18 at the time. And so I was like curious to know, you know, who, who he is. And, and he, I think he sat with my brother because my brother was visiting from Bethel at the time too for that memorial and i remember you i think you and him were at, at the table sitting together yeah it was eating. yeah it was great yeah <laughs> yeah future brother-in-law anyway now we're now now phil were you still at that time you were just studying or had you been baptized at that point no at, actually at that point i was still living at home with my mom it was before any studying or anything so that was that was basically was the next year then they so I remember she started, yeah. Shelly started bringing you to events. Like I went over Shelly's right. kind of looking because I knew her that you were moving in with her. I think that was the following year. Mm -hmm. And then I remember going to movies and then you were going to come and I sat closest to Shelly as possible. And I was just, just kind of waiting for the time. And then I remember that you're, even my mom, even at the baptism, were like, you know, like we were excited. Like, okay, now I just got to get him to like me. All that I know <laughs> that he actually did. But, you know, and we went to a New York trip together. Um, my family is Shelly. And um, that's when I fell in love with Shiloh because yes. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat the whole the whole time I was there. I couldn't eat. I swear. I'm not kidding. And I told my grandma that because I was real close with my grandma. And uh, she says, oh, you're in love. That's why you couldn't eat. Like I, I couldn't eat breakfast, lunch or dinner. I was like always full the whole time. It was crazy. You got you got you got. Uh, <laughs> that was October the following year. I graduated high school at my graduation party. I told him I liked him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that society is like you don't date or whatever until you are ready for marriage and of course i'm not ready for marriage when i'm in high school so as soon as uh got it you know graduated I'm like okay oh yes that's for, that's for, in in witness in the witness culture we, we know that's yeah. very 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 common uh when right after high school many times with witnesses up most of my friends they all got they all got married uh the only reason i didn't get married i'm going to bethel um 
But I, I do want to share one story uh, uh, about your family. Um, I had the chance to actually talk to your dad. And the way in which it came about was uh, when I became interested in Lady C, one of the things they always tell us at Bethel is check out the sisters. Check out the sisters you're, you're, you're interested in. So be sure to call up their elders. So uh, I actually called the congregation and I spoke to your dad. And I asked him, <laughs> you know, I know this, this is Brother JT calling from Bethel and uh, there's a sister in your congregation I have an interest in. I'm just trying to get some information. And uh, I remember <laughs> talking to him and, and and sure enough, he gave her good marks. And that's why, <laughs> and as a result, that's why we're here today probably. But yeah, and that was my, and it's just so ironic that here we are now, decades later, literally decades later, having this conversation now mm -hmm. about leaving this same organization that all of us, all four of us were deeply involved in. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about going full circle? This is going full circle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, because like like I said, you know, being in the congregation with you being so young, your mother, you know, she would be out in service with us all the time. My aunts were really good, really good friends with Bonnie. And um, your your um, your house was where we went to the book study. And that's when we got all that indoctrination from Brother Stryber telling us oh, yeah. how bad Armageddon was going to be, you know, the tribulation. And I, I remember he was really a scary person when he was talking about the end of the world coming, you know. So mm -hmm. it was just good seeing when, somebody, when my dad said, you know what, Shiloh's husband's on the Internet. He got out of the, he got out of Watchtower. They woke up. They know that this ain't the truth now, da, 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 you know. And so it was just good seeing somebody from back home, even though we had never met Phil before, but we knew everybody that you knew, you know? Right. So right. yeah, so that's a good thing seeing somebody waking up. Shiloh, would you like to talk a little bit about growing up as a witness and whether or not you ever had any doubts? I could do that. I mean, I mean, I love, I, I mean, that's pretty much all I knew. You know, I loved it. It had like, you know, the friends, the love that was always there the support. I mean, of course you got to support when you're in the organization. Um, but, but I mean, I always loved it, but I know when I started getting older, it was just, you know, even after marriage, it was just started just not seeming like the right same organization that you joined into. But yeah, I, I got baptized when I was, I think it was when I was 17. I know my brother was really young, but I knew I wasn't ready. I think it took me a little longer to understand most of the stuff and be, um, know for sure I was ready. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I like, you know, I grew up with it. So that's all I knew. Let me ask you a question, Shiloh, because, you know, um, being in your congregation, your home congregation, a lot of my cousins ended up getting homeschooled. So is there any reason why you didn't get homeschooled? Were you homeschooled? Mm -mm. Um, I, I actually wanted to be for the longest time. I wanted to be because, you know, I had that health disability, you know, physical disability. And I know it's so slower, but I think I think really my mom knew I needed more of that to help me learn beyond what she could do. Because I, but by, by the second, actually after I got, before I even, excuse me, around the time I got baptized at that point, I was like, well, I'm, I only got a couple more years of school left, you know, stop pushing, pushing me the, the um, subject and just go. But I actually liked school. I mean, I did actually like school I mean, I was, I think my thought with my health, I didn't even think I would be able to graduate from high school. I thought I would be in a wheelchair because I had rheumatoid arthritis since I was uh, two or three years old. 
And so the doctors always thought I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 13 or all this stuff. So I was always, it was like almost, uh, you know, uh, achieve big achievement for me to graduate high school. So I think that's why my mom wanted me to, on top of my learning uh, disability, stay in school. But she always made an obligation to go to school with me in the beginning talk to the teachers, you know, until I got older and then it didn't matter as much. Like in high school, it didn't really matter. I just had to stick up for myself, but. Oh, that's yeah. good, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, your mom was really smart and she helped you out because that interaction with other students is very important, you know, for your right. growth and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So you so so basically you you follow the you follow the typical witness pattern of um, that all of us basically follow going to the meetings, eventually reaching the point of getting baptized, and mm -hmm. and of course later on, then you begin to experience the doubting uh, because of the way the congregation uh, treated you. We get hung up on that. Jehovah's Witnesses are the happiest people, and like you mentioned, you would think people upon in should be happy, bubbly. But what you find out is that they're not. In fact, sometimes pioneers are the most unhappy people in the congregation, but they put on a good show because they want others to think, well, pioneering is the way to go. When in reality, in reality I know many pioneers who just struggle just to be a pioneer. I mean, they struggle. Right. Same here. Yeah. So then now, so now that we got a little bit of background on both of you with the religion, um, how did you wake up? And I think, Phil, you were the one that started this whole process. So yeah. Um, Right. So um, what happened was, was um, in late 2014, uh, Shiloh found out she, she was pregnant. And to make a long story short, we didn't think we were having babies because of um, just past problems with Shiloh. And so we kind of gave up on the idea and we were pretty much just going to be Jehovah's Witnesses and do whatever we want to do and just give our all to that. Um now, around our anatomy scan, which is at 20 weeks, we found out, uh, well, <laughs> we found out we had the anatomy scan on Friday, and the tech was acting very weird, and the anatomy scan was very short. Uh, we were only in there for maybe 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then we left, and then we found out on Sunday, we got a phone call and that our, our baby had no heartbeat. So that was our daughter, Rose. That was our first. Um, so we were, you know, absolutely devastated. Um, now that week coming up was that Friday was Memorial and I'll, I'll just, just really briefly just about that is that, and I, I just have to say, just going into this whole mindset is that we got the call for induction. Shiloh was going to be induced, um, on that Friday evening at 945 and the Memorial was that Friday at seven o'clock. So just throwing that out there. See, we thought we were, we thought in our mentality that we were being blessed because we weren't going to have to miss the memorial, but I don't, I don't want to talk too much about that, but that's just where we were at. Um, a few months later, we got, uh, Shiloh got pregnant again with our second Anthony, and we lost him at 10 weeks. Um, that was basically it. Um, you know, from, from the time we lost Rose and everything, and we got we got some support from the congregation when we lost Rose, um, but from that point, we we did struggle a little bit because we were depressed because we had gone through a traumatic incident, and 
it seemed like after a short period of time, we just were not getting the understanding that we needed. Um, we were out in service one time, and this is what started it all. You know, we were out in service one time, and this shook me. We were out in service, and we had other people that were getting pregnant and having baby showers that summer. And uh, the sisters in the back seat of our car, I always drove, you know, I like to drive being in control. <laughs> anyway, um, we're driving and the two sisters in the back were talking about a baby shower. Now my, my wife made a gesture, said, Hey, you know what? Could you guys maybe not talk about the baby? And she said it really nice. I mean, guys, she said it's super nice, but she's like, you know what? Um, could you not talk about that baby shower right now? Cause it upsets me. I'm really upset about, you know, I just lost my daughter three months ago. Okay. And went through this horrible thing. And so we got out at a door. I got out a door with a sister and, and she says, she says, uh, Oh, I, does that still bother her? <laughs> it's like, and that was, that was, that was a cue in. It's like, you know what? A lot of people just don't care. And when we lost Anthony, I was done. When we lost the second one, I just, I, I had had it. I was just so angry. And I, I basically, I just, I couldn't do anything. And so what I started doing is I felt like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to start reading the Bible. I need some perspective. I need some help because the Watchtower magazines weren't helping us. They didn't help us with miscarriage. They don't talk about it. Um, so I started reading the Bible and that's when it all started. I got, I started in John. Okay. And I read maybe a chapter or so a day and I got to the resurrection of Lazarus and in verse 25 and 26 in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it says Jesus is talking about to, I think, Martha about, about resurrecting Lazarus. And he says um, in the Jehovah's Witness Bible that if you have, if you exercise faith in me. So he uses this expression that, that you will see life if you exercise faith. But in then verse 40, Jesus says, did you not believe that when I said that if you believe, you will be saved. And to me, per reading this, it's like, okay, well, exercising faith is a lot different than just believing in something. And that's when I started to question the Jehovah's Witness Bible. And it was really weird because I was just already in this bad negative mindset, and which actually turned out to be positive. But um, what ended up happening was I started looking at different references, different biblical references to try to get some perspective. And that's when I started reading about how the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible isn't to be trusted. And then it just like right down the rabbit hole. And I just started reading and reading and reading and finding out all kinds of crazy stuff. Now, Phil, could you share with the audience what your role was in the congregation? I was an elder at the time. For, I was also the Watchtower Conductor. Um, I didn't have a ton of responsibilities outside of that. Uh, the brothers are actually really nice because of my wife and her limitations. So um, they were understanding of that, but I did do the watchtower and I handled various parts in the meetings. Yeah. Uh, being an elder, you always have to put on this front that you're strong, you know, because others are looking at you. Um, and, and you're right about the watchtower and not really addressing a lot with miscarriages or either loss of children at a young age many times. I know we, we had an experience in our congregation that really, um, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was very difficult. Uh, there was a sister, newly baptized sister, who uh, she was pregnant. 
she had the baby and the baby passed after giving birth to it. And she just held onto the baby for literally just hours. And I know we had a conversation about this before and that the friends who were visiting at the hospital, instead of coming back with support, uh, very similar to the sister who asked you, hasn't she got over that yet? And their basic view was, you know, don't she believe in the resurrection? Don't she believe in the new system? I mean, they just, that was, I mean, that was the big thing because, uh, you know, she just kept grieving over her lost child. And then we were discussing before how that that's one of the things as elders, we were never trained in. We just simply did not have training in how to deal with the emotional needs of people in the organization. Uh, in most churches, the pastor uh, they go to some type of, they have psychology classes, they take courses and so forth uh, to help them. Because sometimes they realize the person may not need something religiously speaking. They may need some type of professional help, some type of professional assistance. And as a witness, as an elder, we would never turn around and say, well, we got to go see somebody to talk to. That, that, that would just destroy the image altogether. Uh, and so as a result, we have to, my wife loves to use this phrase all the time, you know, we have to suffer in silence. So Phil, as you're doing all this reading, you know, now what's going on, what, give us some more information to, to like help us round out this awakening, awakening period that you're having. Okay, so, um, and you know, mind you, this was a couple of years ago, so I'm a little foggy, but the biggest thing that, that stuck out to me was um, comparing the New World Translation Bible with other Bible translations and how 90, like, I don't know the percentage, but like 99% of the Bibles that are written will say one thing and the Jehovah's Witness Bible says something different. And um, probably some of the biggest uh, things that got me was the misquoting uh, of different references. Like for example, in the uh, reasoning book with regards to the cross. Um, now I actually got myself and looked up an Imperial Bible dictionary and I, cross-reference, you know, when Watchtower puts a little dot, dot, dot with a quote, you know, that's a guarantee that they're messing with that quote in some way, just to, just to, just to mess up the, the poor Jehovah's Witness that's reading it, make it think that they're, they got the truth. So I started looking up all those misquotes, boom, 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 went to JW Facts, that's when I found that, I went to a JW forum, started talking to people very casually, and, um, and then, uh, you know, that was it. And then it, it got to the point where it's like, okay, well, I know enough now to be dangerous. So <laughs> I know that, okay, I got to, I got to make a choice. Are we going to stick it out? I didn't want to, especially when I found out about the pedophilia, I definitely wanted out then. Um, and then, then it just came time that I had to talk to my wife, figure out how I was going to do that. So how did things work out with your wife and trying to tell her about what you're learning? Well, um, I guess the piece of advice that I got that I used the most was a little bit, like a little salt at a time. Do, 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 don't, don't go too crazy because remember, she's a born in. That's all she's ever known. And I understood that. And so I was just pickling in little things at a time. But I got to a point where I had to make a, a move um, and really tell her what was going on. And I don't know if you want to talk about the trip we made or well 
Yeah. I mean, I know that my part of it. Up to the trip, right, but. right, yeah. But they, basically, I got to the point where it's like, okay, that. well, I gotta, I gotta tell her, I gotta tell her what's going on, and I gotta tell her we gotta get out because we just couldn't be a part of it anymore. Yeah, so he just took me on a trip uh, up north just for the day. I think we was to the day, and and while we were driving, he just told me, you know, what how he's feeling, and you know, and then slowly trying to tell me things he learned and stuff reading the Bible and and um. You know, I had my own issues too with after my losses, and I don't know. Do you want me to continue, or did you want to ask your question? Oh, go ahead. About, and anyways, with me, you know, with me, with my lot, you know, after my losses, you know, I was always devoted. Um, I was we were married for 16 years before I got pregnant. Thought I couldn't have kids, so we were getting settled with that. And then when it happened, I'm like, you know, we were happy, but we were so still so scared, just because it's like we're older. Well, we thought we were older, but Anyways, so, but, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, we finally got, you know, getting our, you know, baby always wanted and stuff. Well, uh, when that ended, um, I figured, oh, I just need to be more faithful and try to, you know, do more and let my husband do the memorial and be like, be the strong elder's wife and be by example and stuff. And even though inside it was just like, you know, killing me. And um, actually there was one memory that came up not too long ago I didn't tell you guys this last time um two weeks it was actually 30 wait 20 days after my loss we also had the uh, the assembly and I remember having well he of course got onto the clean committee and of all times all of a sudden like okay you're in the committee kitty you got to stay late after everybody leaves and go through and I didn't think it was going to be that long of course I'm there all mopey and not myself. And, and, uh, and like, we're, you know, it's like, come on, of all times I need to be with people. I don't need me, but it felt weird because I, you know, I would went in the cafeteria part and just kind of like either napped or just rested. Well, when I try to go out and talk to other, they just kind of like were in their own clan and stuff. And I'm like, it's like, just seemed weird. Like maybe they just, you know, I don't know. It's like, it just kind of seemed weird. I was trying to talk, trying to get my mind off of it, but but that kind of just kind of like upset me a little bit, that part. But, you know, you can't show it. You know, I got to be the the um, the uh, supportive wife. And, you know, anyways, after, uh, you know, I kept on trying new service and going to the meetings and being tough and stuff. Well, then after my last, my second miscarriage with Anthony, it um, I didn't tell I didn't tell that many people about that loss. But after that, I'm like, come on, really? It's like, how much devoted I have to be to just finally get a baby, you know, because I hate thinking that, like, come on, because I, before I was like, you know, like, I, you know, I'm not blaming God, you know, but I'm like, like, come on, why do you get me pregnant in the first place? Like, that's how I started feeling. It's like, get me pregnant in the first place, take it away twice. Me and my own mom, like, when I was trying to do a celebrate one of the anniversaries, they were like, well, don't worry about, you know, the, your loss, think about the future, the hope. I'm like, but I'm hurting now, you know, like, and then the whole two about needing support. It's like, I'm not doing any good trying to go to the meetings and stuff. I need to talk to people. I need to find ones who understand. And I think that's what really did help was when we finally did find ones to just talk. I was even able to talk about my religion too, when we finally both uh, talked after, you know, after that fact. But anyways, I just, I got anxiety going to the meetings. It was just, I mean, I wasn't learning anything going. I was getting panic attacks and it was just not enjoyable. And then when he finally told me, I'm like, Thank goodness. And I'm like, I mean, mine wasn't different, but then when he shared with me what he learned, you know, was learned by reading and stuff, I'm like, 
it's like I knew something just didn't seem right with the organization lately. Just everything was changing. It was more about money and being more showy with the uh, the governing body. And it just didn't seem like the same when you, I grew up in the same organization. And I'm like, and it's like this, even the love and stuff that you would feel. And then, you know, you started seeing more people, more depressed, you know, even more depressed and things they're going with. And it's like, and not support. You didn't get the support at all. I mean, I'm an elder's wife and I went through this whole horrific thing. And I'm like, no one, I didn't get any shepherding calls or anything to come and check on me. Around the same time, some news or some rumors, you know, they say that they don't talk about people or spread gossip, but things were going around. I guess someone's seen somebody, something on, I think Phil was upset. Okay. So Phil was upset. He said it. he was mad at God or hated God or something. Oh, what happened now? Say that again. You said something, you put something on Instagram. Okay. Well, this is when I was starting to wake up and I got mad because we lost our second baby and I put something on Instagram. I just said, you know, I can't remember what I said. I said, I'm mad at God. You know, I was angry. I was mad. And it's like, this was, you know, it was too much because we were super faithful, especially after losing Rose. We're super faithful doing what we need to do. And then, you know, and then, then we lost a second. And then, so I put something on Instagram and that got out and the rumor mill started. So you know, typically um, when somebody sees a transgression against their brother, they would go to that brother alone and talk to them. Well, that didn't happen at all. Um, it was basically spread rumors and then, you know, and then it just got really ugly. And that was, that was basically the key that really knocked yes, us out. Definitely. Just seeing how people were. Yeah. We were invited to an anniversary party, a 25 year anniversary party. We were looking forward to it. I figured it would be a nice time. Even my parents were going. Well, then we got the call from the host, the actual a couple and they said well some people came up to me and felt uncomfortable about what things they heard and they don't feel comfortable with you coming i'm like and like so well what did they hear? like who was it can i ask so i can find out what they heard because i had no clue they said well they just said something on the internet like facebook or in, you know instagram or whatever and that's it i knew this lady forever she done my you know i don't know forever and the family was really close and stuff and it was like it was heartbreaking her doing this. And then a couple, was it the same week? I think it was the same week. we yeah. went we to dinner with a cup yeah. with a couple. And we were actually gonna tell them how we were feeling at dinner. Well, they of course waited for us to get to the restaurant to like call us up and basically it was a setup. So basically what they do is like they it. they invite you out to dinner because I heard that other people went through the same thing. They invited us out to dinner, we get to the restaurant. And then they call us and say, hey, you need to talk to the elders. Um, and I'm like, no, what do I need to talk to the elders about? I'm a grown adult. Because by then I didn't care anymore. I, my care was out the window. So he's like, well, you need to talk to the elders. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that, whatever. And I said, bye-bye. And then that was it. And then me and my wife, we had a lovely dinner together. Mm -hmm. And we took a walk at the Partridge Creek. And that was it. And that was actually a-, a Oh, she blocked uh, me right after too. Well, they blocked us. I think that was key for you waking up too, mm -hmm. because oh, the yeah. thing is, is seeing this couple that we were really close with suddenly cut us out like that was a huge wake up call for my wife. Instead of coming and trying to you know, yeah. encourage us or give us the support we need or find out why you feel this way, you know, like, you know, like oh, they should have known. But he was a company man. He was a company man. He wanted to be an elder. So this was probably, I think he was still trying to be a minister well, servant at the time. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay, start, say that again from the company man thing. 
Say that again. Well, see, he wanted this. I knew this guy, and he was always trying to become an elder or a ministerial yes, servant. He's a yes man. So he was always asking me, because I was an elder at the time out in service. He's like, hey, what do I need to do to become an elder? It's like, I don't know. Just keep doing what you're doing, I guess, dude. And uh, and so he was about my age. But um, I think, you know, this is just my thinking that he wanted to he wanted to be an elder. And so he probably set up with another elder at our hall. He probably coached him in this. This is just what I'm thinking. And then he set this whole thing up maybe to as a, as loyalty, because, you know, as Jehovah's Witnesses, loyalty is key. Loyalty to the organization is key. And I think that this was like a test for him. And I know my mom, like when she went to that, uh, she also went to the anniversary party with my dad. I know they, she was, tell, you know, they were saying that a lot of people were talking, like whispering to each other. And, and it's like, like, open your eyes, mom. You know, we had yeah. to end up having to tell them exactly, yeah. you know, yeah, they're, they're what we felt too. Right. Yeah. Sooner than I wanted to, but it's like, you know what, let's just get it done and over with. But yeah, there's just that, I mean, we, I, this thing, every time I went to the hall, I kept on getting like, you know, if I, the speakers would just bring up topics or conversation or whatever. And it's like, you know, I'm going through this. Why would you bring that up? Or, you know, like put that in your talk. I mean, you would think the congregation wasn't that big that I would get forgotten to not to reword your talk to help your flock instead of hurting them. And that's what the, he did. This one brother, one of his brothers always did was seem like, and the other one always tried to praise us. I'm like, don't do that because we literally left the next day pretty much like don't do that don't praise us because it's like you don't you haven't talked to us you don't know where we're at minded mm-hmm. and um so what, and what, what, what were they saying what, what were you think what were they saying in the talk i mean what, in, the, the, in the talks they would talk about miscarriage they'd talk about death a lot they'd talk about things and they'd talk about a couple they would they basically are talking about what the situation that we were involved in and it's like you know that's private stuff and that's none of your business and don't be bringing it out because the thing is is i hate to say it this way but it's the truth is like when you go to those meetings you're trying to forget and then when you go to the meeting and suddenly you're being you're being reminded um that's that's hard that's really hard it makes the meetings very hard exactly right one of the one of the things that you mentioned was that you kept trying to do more do more do more and it was as if you were just dog paddling and not moving anywhere at all. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses. Whenever we have problems, we automatically are told we're not doing enough. And like you mentioned, you you you, you couldn't, it, it, it didn't make any sense. I'm doing all I can do, so why I'm not getting blessings? And that's mm-hmm. kind of the way the organization, they, 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 they frame things. That if you're having problems, it's because you're not doing enough. So you need to do more. The problem, of course, like you said, you're doing all you can do and you still having problems. So you, what you realize is that they're not related. They are, you know, and, and, and that's what it is. I mean, this is a business. You were just trying to sell more books. And so that had nothing to do with your loss. Uh, but we, but the organization has very skillfully and very carefully blended the two together. So everything a witness does in their life, they think that somehow this has something to do with their standing and their relationship with God and how their life is going. And, and many times stuff is just coincidence, but, you can't sell it that way. You got to make the members feel if you're not at the meetings, that's why you're having problems. So be at all the meetings. And as you were saying, you were there. You were at the meetings. You was trying to go out and search and you saw nothing was happening. And that's kind of that's kind of what tricks people in this religion. Um, and so as a result, we those are the issues that come up. 
that start people to questioning. And I'm gonna just stop there. And then the other thing that you mentioned was the simply the lack of support. So earlier you said that you were able to get support. So since you realized you weren't getting any support from within the congregation, what did y'all guys do to get some support then? Well, the funeral home that handled Rose's um, cremation, cremation uh, offered us a opportunity to go to a, um, what do you call it, like a support meeting. And, and so we, we went. And it wasn't really for us. Uh, the only thing is, is this is a regular funeral home. And so the people there were dealing with the loss of an older loved one in most cases. And so we were kind of, we, we really felt a little uncomfortable because we're talking about someone that we had never met versus people that have, you know, been, which doesn't make that any less significant. It's just that, that, that we just didn't feel that this was our place to be. So my wife started doing some scouring and, and found this group called Angel Kisses and Metro Share. And so we went to a fundraising event uh, for Angel Kisses. And that's when we found people who had had infant and child loss. And that was huge. And we started going to those meetings and we were able to finally talk about what was going on in our life. And, you know, on top of that, we had the shunning from the Jehovah's Witnesses that we were dealing with. So we were, we were, you know, when we left, we were alone because Jehovah's Witnesses were everything to us. We didn't have family. We didn't have anything. So we were alone. And now all of a sudden we're able to talk about our situation. We were, we were talking to people and making friends in the world um, with people who actually understood our situation. Yes. So as you look back and you make the clear distinction, what did this new group of individuals who were trying to help you, what was their concern about your meeting attendance and field service hours? Huge. No. <laughs> Number one. No, right. no they, they thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I know one gentleman, now this was at another group for, you know, children of all ages, but, you know, he pulled me aside one time because I felt really bad at, you know, just, you know, just basically making a disconnect to God at the time. Um, and, and he said, you know what, God has big shoulders and he understands. Don't worry about it. You got to do what you got to do. And, and, you know, finally we're in a group that understands they don't care about meetings. They don't care about how faithful you are. They just care about you and your well-being. And it was huge. Yes, yes. That, that's that's kind of what we realized when we left is that when you seek out people who uh, actually know what they're doing in those areas, the issues that the witnesses make into issues, they simply just melt away. They're, they're, they're of no consequence because you needed something. You needed someone that could help you address what it was like to go through a loss of an unborn child. And as we mentioned so many times, elders are simply not qualified because even the, the funeral director, he realized I cannot help you. So I'm going to point you in a direction. And that's probably, I think, you know, and I, and I think you being into an elder field, you know, that's probably one of the biggest uh, problems we had in the organization. Uh, we could not point people to anything basically other than what it says on the CD-ROM, on the bound volume or JW. 
www.thepeopleshow.org. That is all we could give people. And that's unfortunately, that, that is not what all people need. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Can I say this? I went to one, uh, one or two, two shepherding calls. These sisters were pioneers crying uncontrollably. And just to back up your point, I did not know how to help them. I wasn't, they didn't know what their problem was. They couldn't figure it out for themselves why they were so depressed and why they were so sad. And yet you're sitting there as an elder and you have no idea what to say to them. You don't. And I knew we, we shared some stuff with them and I saw them at the next meeting and I asked them if they're okay. And they said, yes, but I could see it in their eyes that they weren't, they were just faking it. Sad. Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. Very sad. Okay. Yeah. And the organization that you guys got assistance from, did, how big is that organization? With, uh, yeah, they're both, they're both. It's through Share. I don't know if you ever the, the organization. There was two different ones. One is called Compassionate Friends, and the other one was Share. And they're huge. It's a huge, huge international. Actually, I think Compassionate Friends is even in other countries too. Um, Share. I'm not sure if it's in other countries, but it's they have it's places regional. over regional, and. And then so the one the groups meetings, there are about maybe 10 to 20 people at a time that come to those meetings. Sometimes we've had more. Um, they've been doing it online. Not the one group has been doing more online now, obviously, because of everything, which is good. You know, we need still need support at times. But um, yeah, so I mean they, you know, they have Facebook pages and stuff. So you can always go. And that's the thing. I develop a lot of friends just through Facebook having similar you know stories and then now I can even help other ones that you know what gone through things that strangers that don't even know they're willing to reach out and help you I mean I remember you know I mentioned about having my daughter we have a daughter she was early small and we had strangers dropping us off food and support and help strangers I had someone I joined mm -hmm. a yoga class uh, before I was pregnant and after or during I was pregnancy. And, you know, they came, they gave, they drove me to appointments and, you know, that helped. And they were my, they came to the hospital a couple of days after she was born. I mean, any, no, none of the JWs that I knew came. I think we had one a couple, uh, couple of weeks later. But they were, they didn't know of our situation. I don't think they knew, but she wanted to come and see us. And they lived out of country, actually. They yeah, were, they were, they were missionaries. Okay. And I think that's the only reason they weren't really sure on the whole situation. So they wanted to. So share with our audience because see right now you, 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 you guys have been talking about the loss of two children, but mm -hmm. then you didn't talk about the one that you have now. So you mm -hmm. want to just tell how old is your daughter? Um, she'll be four in July. Um, okay. She obviously I got pregnant and that's one of the biggest things I wanted to wait to leave the organization is I was afraid of my parents, you know, what they would do. So I was hoping to get pregnant before leaving because I figured, well, that would, you know, make them harder for them to shun us or whatever. Well, I was actually surprised. My dad's cold to us, but my mom will still come talk, supports support. us, supports Isabella. Because even after I remember talking to other ones, like, I don't know how, how my mom, you know, it's in their hands what they want to do. They can still anytime say, okay, I can't talk to you anymore. But I'm thinking with Isabella around. So we had her... Three months early, she was actually a surviving twin. So we had another loss 
Um, we had a lot of, uh, we lost her sister at 17 weeks. She came at 27 weeks pregnancy. Oh, you had, oh, so you were pregnant with twins and mm -hmm. you were, and the, and the one twin was a preemie and you lost the other yeah. one. Yeah. The other one was starting to become a pre or, well, she was starting to have growth restriction to also a girl. Um, uh, we named her Bella May. And, um, so I had to have a C-section to deliver both of them. And, um, I'm glad my mom's around for her. Even my dad, my dad, she loves my dad. Yeah. And, but you don't see him. And that's the thing, he barely ever comes and visits, sadly. I would, you know, I would love it for her benefit for him at least try. But when he's around, she's all lit up and loves, you know, her grandpa and stuff. And, um, and then we did have, coming up on two years, we did have another preemie, 27 weeks, a son. Uh, we lost him for 12, at 12 days old. His two-year, actually his uh, two-year birthday is coming up uh, end of May, May 29th. He would have been two, and his lost date is also coming up uh, June 10th. Um, he oh, had a bad you guys, Yeah, you guys have really um, suffered some losses there. Yes, yes. And, and so you are getting assistance. And um, mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you guys feel now? I mean, are you, you know, how do you feel, you know? Uh, like, not great. Most of Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean to be completely honest, you know, you lose four kids. It's horrible. And Marcus passed really, it was bad. Uh, it was really bad and it it hurts a lot but we're getting support and that's huge because we weren't getting that before and it really helps um i'll let shiloh talk more about it but you know she joined a mom's club and they have been phenomenal mm -hmm. i mean they have been huge help to us and um but yeah i mean just honestly we're happy to be out <laughs> we're super happy to be out but um we're allowed to grieve and we are yeah then ourselves exactly. grieve. we, can we don't have to hide it and fear it so if yes. i feel like posting a, a depressing thing about missing my babies i will yeah. i mean two, three four years or well, five years ago i would have been like afraid to even mention that yeah. i was feeling sad because of that and i know i'll get the response i need from the friends i made because i'm in the mom's club i joined a few, when isabel was a few months old and they were very welcoming. They loved Isabel because she was the tiniest little cutest thing ever. And I actually got my very, you know, I actually have a, my, I have actually met other lost moms in that group. Another mom that lost a couple of twins and just, so we, and then another one has a bunch of kids and they all kind of range around the kids I lost. So they become like our, each other's family in a sense. And Isabel has good friends and, and I actually have a true friend. That it was not uh, because of being a Jehovah and like uh, uh, friends with conditions, you know. I know she's a true friend, and you know they've helped when I we lost Marcus. So many like bought meals and little trinkets and just comfort things and was there. My mom, I'm sorry to say, my mom didn't make us a meal, and I was kind of shocked by that. She didn't even offer. I mean, she did watch Isabella quite a time. She did do support other yeah, ways. She helped us in other but ways, I was kind so, of surprised. Yeah some yeah. things that wasn't there. So I don't want to totally knock her down because she did. Yeah. I was they able to quickly drop her. her off and go to the hospital, you know, drop Isabel off and go to the hospital, oh, call her at five o'clock in the morning. She came over while we had yeah. to say goodbye to our son. So she was, you know, there, she was but there for that. just she like was. after the fact, you know, she's still, still stuck in that, you know, why are you grieving when you got to look to the future and that hope? So they don't understand when you're in pain now, you're, you know, you're still going to be in pain. Well, you have a daughter, so you should be happy, yes. but it doesn't work that way because you never forget. 
when you lose a child, you never forget. My parents never did. My yeah. parents never lost any you know, children, so they don't. It's hard for them to understand. They lost a, a child. Yeah, this is this is what makes this religion so dangerous. Uh, you have men working at Piggly Wiggly, trying to address deep uh, emotional issues such as this. Uh, one of the most misapplied scriptures with Jehovah's Witnesses is when they often say, "Well, we don't grieve like the world grieves," and that's that application that they use is what hurts people the most, because everybody does grieve differently. And so once again, unlike in any other religion, any other religion, the way you grieve with your loss, the watchtower in the minds of Jehovah's Witnesses is a barometer of your love for God, how much you are true Christian. There's no other religions that we know of in general where they tell their members that how you grieve about your loss, it dictates or it tells people how deep your love is for God. This is what this, that's what makes this religion so dangerous. Uh, we live by so many ridiculous rules and, 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 and concepts that make no sense. Um, like you said, the people who helped you, they simply wanted to make sure that you were okay. As far as a witness is concerned, they're concerned about how you make us look. You, you crying a little too much. Don't be crying that much. Well, I might cry more than you. And so, and so these are the, these are these, and, and, and it really just drives home the point I try to make all the time, but this is the culture, man. I mean, and so you won't read, you won't grow up with this when you have in the Bible study with witnesses, this is not going to be on the Bible study. So, you know, it, it, it is really amazing as you look at how, and, and I thought that was such a good point that you made that now you can grieve the way you want to. Yeah, that that's that's really I can't even imagine going through all that. Yeah, I mean that's 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 deep. That's deep. Yeah, my heart goes out to you guys and dealing with everything. I'm just glad that you you have a, an outlet. Mm -hmm. You know, because Thank Shiloh, you. I totally could relate to what you were saying about the clicks. You know, here you are, an elder's wife. You know, you're sick. You're not feeling good. Now I know I had my own illnesses when we were in the religion, and later on, you know, didn't realize what I was going through until after we left and did not understand why I was in all this pain and stuff, right? And so you're like not getting to the meetings like you're supposed to, not going out in service, and, but you, you have an illness, not realizing it. And so um, people are looking at you like you're not doing enough. You're an elder's wife, but you should be regular pioneering and why aren't you doing blah, blah, blah. And so you don't have that support. And then you have these like clicks and you're thinking, well, I'm an elder's wife. Why are people treating me so bad? Why do I feel like an outsider over here? Mm -hmm. But I was so glad when we left that I didn't have to deal with that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I had the fake, fake, uh, fake friends, pretty much. Yeah. You know? yeah. That conditional friendship, boy, you, you, re you really see it when it's mm -hmm. in a time of need. When there's a time yeah. of need, you really get to see what the fake, the, the fake friends are. And the point you made about your mom, you know, not being able to help. It's, it's, it's also important to keep in mind that someone like your mom, she is literally under threat at all times. Anything she does, somebody is there to tell you, you're doing too much, pull it back. And so the, the witness person is often torn between this is my daughter, this is my grandchild, I want to help. But then they're being told on the other hand, God says don't help out, God says don't help out. And so they literally are torn. I, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to want to help somebody, reach out and help someone 
and somebody's hitting your hand, stop, right? You know, and so that's that's and that's kind of the way it is in the organization. And see, what I know about your mom, I know that she's not that's not the kind of person she is. I know she wants to be with her grandkids. I know that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Based on what I've seen her in the past and how she was. So yeah, and so I can see it. You know, when people are waking up from this religion and they can't understand why the loving parent that they had that was just so outgoing and just so there and just supportive is now just leaving me by the wayside. You know, I can just see all that, you know, because my relatives, um, you know, my two aunts, um, one of my aunts died um, last year, just over a year ago. She went to her, she, she left this planet shunning me and my father and my dad was so upset behind it, but we had to accept it. This is what we had to accept. And the other aunt, she's still there, but she doesn't talk to us either. So, okay. Mm. And, and, and eventually you, eventually you just come around and you just recognize this is what a person does who is part of a high control group or a cult. It's just that simple. Yep. It's just exactly. So, yeah, so we want to thank you guys for coming out yeah. and sharing your story because, you know, since we've been doing our, our channel and having um, guests on our show, we've never covered this type of, this type of a story before. And so yeah. we don't know what other people, you know, how you can help other people. And so, you know, if anybody has any questions, so if anybody is watching this video and you want to share your thoughts about grieving, maybe it's not an infant, but maybe your other, you know, your family members and how you weren't able to grieve properly because of this religion drop your comments below because we would love to hear your stories absolutely so you want to thank you guys for being on the program and this has been lady c and this has been jt thank you so much thank you guys really appreciate it thank you so much for having us on you're welcome take care Hey, this is Lady C. Thank you for tuning in to The Critical Thought. We appreciate having you in our audience. Not only that, but we invite you to subscribe to our channel and be sure to hit that bell so that you can receive notifications when we upload new content. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and give us a thumbs up if you like this video. Thank you for being in our audience. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.